0: things to be thankful for and it is such a good practice in our lives to actually think about it every day to say what am I thankful for? Because when we realize, oh everything comes from God, gratitude flows back to God and it just kind of like you know when we feel that like selfishness and that like lack of contentment or like oh I need that or I need that when we're just when we stop and remember what God has done it just kind of like knocks that stuff over and we can be thankful. so we are thankful. I wanna, in, 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 the, in light of thanksgiving, I wanna give a special thank you to a few people. Those of you who work with kids, and there are some back there right now, I don't know if they can hear me or not, but thank you. Um, and those of you that serve and volunteer with kids, thank you, it matters and it's important. Thank you for those of you that come at various times and help set up and tear down and clean up. Thank you. Thank you to our board of directors. You may not know, they're kind of behind the scenes and I'm gonna call them out right now. It's Autumn and Francois and Lynn and Olivia. Thank you guys. Thank you for serving and helping. Yes, thank you. There's so many like administrative things that, that, like, we have to do correctly because we want to do things correctly. So it's important. Thank you for those who volunteer and serve with the food bank. Thank you for those who volunteer and serve in worship. Thank you to our staff team, Dylan and Autumn and Graham and Melissa. And Thank you, guys. Thank you, church, for your generosity in giving to Renaissance and giving back to God what he has given to you. We can't be here unless we as a church say, God, everything we have is yours, so thank you. Thank you for joining us each week, for being here. My hope and prayer for each of us is that we are formed and shaped to be more like Jesus, that this church is a gathering and a group of people whose lives have been so impacted and changed by Jesus that we can't help but share the good news of Jesus with the people around us, that it just flows out of us because of the life of Jesus in us flowing out of us so thank you for joining with us in that that's our heart that's what we want to see in this community in this city is lives changed by jesus and we together get to be a part of that so thank you for being part of this church all right if you've got a bible go to john chapter 14 we're going to do a little bit of uh Uh, Last week, Dylan preached John 15, so we gotta like reverse a little bit. We had to rearrange a few things. So uh, Dylan took us through John 15 last week and looked at what it means to abide in Christ, to draw our strength and life from him. We're gonna go back just a little bit to John 14. So this occurs right before what Jesus taught his disciples about abiding in Christ. As we continue through the Gospel of John, we continue to come face to face with this question of belief. Can we believe Jesus is who he says he is? Will we believe that he is who he says he is? And we're going to see in just a moment, we're going to read, you'll, see, you'll hear it in verse 29. And it basically, Jesus basically says, he tells his disciples, he's like, I'm telling you all of this ahead of time so that when it happens, you will believe. And so there is a purpose to the gospel of John that we and the people around us would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. It's one of the reasons John wrote this so that other people would see, oh, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is who he is. Our series is looking at I am, who Jesus says he is. And so this morning, no matter what your background is or no matter where you're coming from, we all must honestly ask ourselves these questions. Can I believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And will I because it changes everything when we put our faith and trust in him. And really, we need that week to week, and it's one of the joys of gathering on Sunday that we come together as a church family. We let our hearts be realigned as we worship together. We let our hearts be realigned as we look at God's word, and we come back to saying, Jesus, wherever I was this week, And all of my weaknesses and all of my struggles and whatever it is, Jesus, my belief is in you, that you are the son of God, that you are life and hope and light and all that we need. So as we read our scripture this morning. This chapter, chapter 14, is part of what Jesus told his disciples right before he was arrested and taken away and crucified. So we've already kind of said the the action is speeding up here a bit. Soon Jesus will go to the cross. This was a tumultuous time for Jesus and for his disciples. There's a lot going on. There is big changes happening. Who likes change? Not many of us. And it wasn't, it was the same for them. Like the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, things are changing here, Jesus. And you'll see that um, because listen as we read and hear the comfort and the reassurance that Jesus brings to his followers. John chapter 14, so will be on the screen or if you have a Bible you can read there, we're gonna start in verse 15. Here's what it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. you remember Judas Iscariot was the guy that betrayed Jesus. This is apparently a different Judas, right? Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let's pray again as we ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. God, we quiet our hearts before you today. God, in your holiness and your power, you are ruling and reigning over all things, and yet, God, you see and know our hearts. You know our fears, you know our anxieties, you know every single part of us. Lord, this morning we ask that our hearts would be listening. Father, would you draw us to you? God, I pray for a hunger to be stirred in each of our hearts to seek after you with our whole heart. So, God, speak through your word this morning. Speak by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. There is a song called Faith to Be Strong, and it's by a guy named Andrew Peterson. Um, and here's the lyrics are gonna be, and I want us to, to I want to read this because I love it. And he says in the song, he says, Give us faith to be strong give us strength to be faithful this life is not long but it's hard give us grace to go on make us willing and able lord give us faith to be strong i don't know about you but do you ever i feel that do you ever feel that that line, this life is not long, but it's hard. Now I'm not trying to like bum us out this morning, but we know the sense of that. We know the weight and the pressure and the struggle of life. And whether we like it or not, every single one of us feels it. We know it's true because often we are weary and ragged and worn out. We can be disillusioned with life. We can say, okay, how come things are not the way I thought they were gonna be? Things are not turning out how I hoped, you know? Like, I've been here five years, and five years ago, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'll be fluent in French in five years. I'm not, right? Things have not turned out as I hoped, right? But I'm still working on it. So, but we feel that in our lives. And there are times we feel alone. We feel abandoned, and we feel fearful. What I want us to see is that here in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to you and I. In the comfort that he brought to his disciples, we hear today, sitting right here in Montreal, that Jesus is speaking to you and I. Because we have to ask ourselves, what do we do when things don't turn out the way that we thought they would? What do we do when the fear and the anxiety creep in, stealing our joy and our desire to keep going? What do we do when we, think, when we think, God, where are you? You seem distant. I don't know where you are. Have you forgotten about us? And it's in the middle of our fears and the weight and the pressure of life that Jesus is speaking peace to us today. We can place our fears in his hands. We can move forward with peace because he has sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. The thing I want us to walk away with this morning is this, that Jesus will not abandon, abandon those who belong to him. Jesus will not abandon those who belong to him. Three major points I want to look at this morning. First one is this. Those who belong to Jesus keep his commandments. Secondly, Jesus does not abandon us. And thirdly, Jesus calms our fears. So as we walk through this passage and see what's going on, these are the, this is where we're heading this morning first point, those who belong to Jesus keep his commandments. And the first verse we read here, verse 15, is striking because it says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We say, whoa, okay, well, what do we do we do with that? That seems like Okay, uh, I thought this was like all of God's grace. I thought it was just like, oh, everything's okay. But Jesus says, no, if you love me, you're gonna do what I say. And then we see that same sentiment, that same idea repeated in various ways. We see it in verse 21, verse 23, verse 24, verse 31. Multiple times in this passage, Jesus says, if you love me, you're gonna keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to obey. There is a clear connection between loving God and keeping his, obe- his commandments, between loving God and obeying him and obeying his word. and So here in in this passage, Jesus will soon go to the cross and rise again. And soon after that, he will ascend into heaven. And in this moment of the disciples' questions and fears, Jesus makes clear to them what the life of those who belong to Jesus looks like. It looks like obedience. That those who belong to Jesus will obey Jesus. Jesus. This is going to be on the screen, but this is is the clarity of this passage. Obedience to Jesus flows out of a heart for love, a heart of love for Jesus. Obedience to Jesus flows out of a heart of love for Jesus. This is such an important thing to hear from this passage, that the natural result of loving Jesus is to put into practice what he says to do. Not just say, oh, okay, yeah, God loves me and I should love other people. Not just say it, but to actually do it. Not just to say, oh, you know, yes, I love Jesus, but I'll go do whatever I want. Doesn't matter, God doesn't care. No, but to do what Jesus has said to do. And we see in verse two, I'm sorry, verse 24, the opposite's true as well because it tells us those who do not love Jesus will not keep his commandments. Obedience to God's command, to his word, is a litmus test for those chemists out there. If you're a chemist, if you're not, You can look it up later. It's a litmus, you know, you like dip the things and it comes out red or blue. Anybody with me? Okay, good. It's a litmus test that reveals those who belong to Jesus. Now, does this mean that any moment that you or I do something wrong, that we're in danger of not belonging to Jesus? No, I don't believe that's what Jesus is teaching here. But what Jesus is saying, Jesus is showing us that if someone lives a life of continuous rebellion and disobedience towards God, it is likely a very clear indicator that their heart does not belong to Jesus. It's not talking about perfection here. Right, we know we are, when someone puts their faith in Jesus, we are made perfect through Jesus. And yet in our life, we fail, we sin. So this is not a question of like, if you ever sin, well, then you probably don't love God. No, Jesus is, this is a heart issue where Jesus is saying, those who love me, those whose hearts are soft towards me they will obey what I call them to do. And when they fail, they will repent and run back to me and seek to follow me. Their hearts will be soft. So we have to ask, is our heart, soft, is our heart softened towards God? Or is it hardened saying, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do whatever I want. And does this passage mean here? Does it mean that obedience is a means of earning something from God? You know, like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna obey because that's gonna prove my love for God. No, because what we see is that obedience is the consequence or the result of loving God. It's not the condition for loving God. God doesn't look and say, if you obey me, then you will show your love for me. God says, those who love me, those whose hearts belong to me, it will be evident that they will be following Jesus, living at his commands in obedience to him. Those who belong to Jesus will keep his commandments. And ultimately, here's our hope in this. This is nothing of us saying like, okay, I better work really hard. Why? Because Jesus is our example of this. In verse 31, Jesus says, but I do as the Father has commanded me. Jesus made a way for us. In this aspect, we say, I could never obey perfectly, but Jesus did. And our hope is in that, that in our failures, in our sin, in our weaknesses, We keep our hearts before the Lord, we run to him, and that is an indicator, it is a sign of love for Jesus that that our hearts belong to him. As we think about this topic, make this personal this morning. Ask yourself, do I belong to Jesus? This is a vital and important question. You know your life, I know my life. Is there a pattern in your life of obedience? to what God has called us to do? Or is there an ongoing pattern of disobedience? Is there a pattern in our hearts of hunger for God or a pattern of indifference towards him? My goal this morning here is not to cause you to question and doubt if you belong to Jesus. That's not my goal, but it is to cause us to be honest with ourselves and say, God, would you search me? Would you examine my heart? to be honest with ourselves and with God because he sees our hearts already. So examine your life. Whether it's this morning or as you go through this week, ask God to search your heart. Say, God, come and shine a light into every single corner of my life. This week, as you read God's word, as you read the Bible, say, God, would you show me the things I can obey and show me in the places where I'm not Be honest with yourself and ask yourself, am I seeking to obey God? Now here's the good news in all this, right? Because this is not an issue of shame. If any of us discover, you know what? My heart does not belong to Jesus. What do we do with that? Are we just condemned? Are we just thrown away? No, Jesus calls us and invites us to turn away from our sin and put our faith in him. It's this idea of repentance and there is no shame in repentance. It is an open door into life. We think the opposite. We think, oh gosh, I'm failing There's shame, I'm just gonna, what's it matter now? But Jesus says, no, come to me. You can exchange your brokenness for life. Repentance, turning back to God, letting God examine our hearts is not an issue of shame and condemnation. It is an open door to life. God is inviting you. And God is inviting me to draw near to him today. And we're talking about here Because I forget this. I don't know about you, but here's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a concept. We're not talking about like a theological concept or a religious idea. No, we're talking about God, the real and living God who is present with us today, who sees and knows our hearts, who is saying, come to me, trade your brokenness for life. I will take your heart and I will form it and shape it so that you love me and obey my commandments. We must examine our hearts. We must ask God to search us. Second thing we see in this passage here is that Jesus does not abandon us. This is good news. Jesus will not abandon those who belong to him. And so for this previous point, if we kind of come through this in our lives and say, okay, I belong to Jesus. I'm imperfect, I'm broken, but I belong to Jesus. And if we settle that in our hearts, then this is really good news that those who belong to Jesus will never be abandoned. We live with hope. We live with hope. In this passage, Jesus is bringing comfort to his disciples. We've already said, Jesus is soon departing. The disciples are feeling it. They're like, what is going on here? Everything is not what I thought. They're afraid. They don't know what to think. They're on the verge of feeling abandoned. And in the middle of their fears, Jesus comes and he speaks life and peace. And the promise of the Holy Spirit So it shows us, okay, how does Jesus not abandon us? And we see in verse 16, it starts by Jesus saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, here's how you're not abandoned. Yeah, I'm leaving physically, but my spirit will be with you, will dwell in you. In verse 26, we see it again. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The disciples feared being abandoned, but they are not abandoned. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this a little bit more next week as well, because when we go to John chapter 16, again, we see some of these um, characteristics of who the Holy Spirit is. So we're kind of We're gonna hear more of that next week, but who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And Jesus here uses the word helper. Another way to say that is a person summoned to one's aid. This is the way Jesus would describe it, the word that was used there, a person summoned to one's aid, someone who comes alongside. Jesus says, I'm gonna send you a helper, someone who's gonna come alongside you and be with you and help you. It's important to see here, the Holy Spirit is not an it, We often refer to the Holy Spirit in this manner, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He has personhood and personality. He's referred to here as he, the Holy Spirit, is God in the same way as God the Father and God the Son. God the Spirit is the presence of God with us here. So Jesus says, I'm sending my spirit To be with you. And he tells us here that in this this specific passage, we see three things that the Holy Spirit will do. The first he says, he'll be with you. We see it in verse 16. This is this confirming and strengthening that Jesus is telling them and saying, my presence is going to be with you. Yes, I will physically be away, but my presence will be with you. There's a couple quotes that I have a guy and, and Graham quoted him a couple weeks ago, but a pastor named J.D. Greer. And one thing he said, he says, the Holy Spirit is how God is present with you and I today. It's easy for us to think, oh man, it would be so good to be in God's presence. It'd be so good if Jesus was sitting here telling me what to do. That would be pretty cool, right? That would be amazing. And yet what Jesus is showing us here is there's no difference. The Spirit, my Spirit dwells with you and in you wherever you go. Again, a quote from that same pastor that Graham said a couple weeks ago. He said, the spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. And as cool as it is to be like, Jesus, wow, shake your hand, nice to meet you, like, you know, in person, in in the flesh. But the spirit in us is better than Jesus sitting beside us because he is with us everywhere we go. So Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit says, I'm gonna be with you. And think about this in terms of this. In the book of Matthew, when the birth of Jesus was announced, what was the name given for Jesus? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And the Spirit of God is a continuation of that. He is God with us, dwelling in our hearts for those who belong to him. The second thing that the Holy Spirit will do here that we see is in verse 26, he will teach you all things. And it's showing us that the Holy Spirit will counsel and guide us. And all the things that Jesus had taught his disciples and he was calling them to do. And if you fast forward to the book of Acts and all the things that Jesus was calling them to go and do, Jesus is encouraging and saying, hey, when you don't know what to do, my spirit in you will give you wisdom and guidance that he will teach you all things. And the third thing he says is that the spirit will bring to remembrance all that Jesus said. And it's this reminder that the spirit of God makes the living word of God come alive in us. And think about Jesus taught them all of these things, the Sermon on the Mount and abide in me and, you know, I am the door and I am the the shepherd, all of the things that Jesus taught them and all the things that Jesus showed them. And he tells them, listen, naturally on your own, you're going to forget that, Right? Probably if I called some of you on like Wednesday and said, hey, tell me what the main point of the sermon was, you'd be like, oh gosh, why would you do that? Right? That's our, we forget, like I forget things, right? Um, but Jesus says, you're gonna forget what I taught you, but the Holy Spirit is gonna come and bring to remembrance, remind you all the things that I taught you. This is who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And so when we look at verse 18, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, "I will not leave you as orphans." Man, what a powerful thought that by sending His holy Spirit, Jesus was not going to be leaving these guys all alone or abandoned. And you and I need to hear this today as well. Jesus has not abandoned you. If your heart belongs to him, his spirit dwells in you. He is with you. He will be with you. He will guide you and teach you. He will bring to remembrance all that Jesus taught and said. He has not left us to ourselves. He has not left us as orphans, but he has sent his Holy Spirit, his presence to be with us, to dwell in us. There's an author named Mark Sayers. This is a Sorry for the pastor thing, this is a double level quote, so just stick with me, you know, I don't know, like, okay. There's an author named Mark Sayers, and in his book, he quotes a guy named Andrew Murray. So this is a quote from Andrew Murray, but it came from another book, so. um, and this is what it says. Andrew Murray wrote, after his ascension, talking about Jesus, after his ascension, the disciples never for a moment regretted his bodily absence. They had him with them and in them in the divine power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught them that he had to go for the Spirit to come. This was the plan. The church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, now takes his presence across the world. There was comfort here. The disciples are sitting here going, Jesus, you have told us a lot of stuff, and you've called us to do a lot of things, and you've sent us out, and you've told us all these things, and now you're leaving. What in the world are we going to do? Jesus says, yeah, I thought about that. Don't forget, my Spirit will be in you, empowering you as the presence of Jesus, as the presence of the Spirit, as the kingdom of God spreads and goes out all across the world. In verse 20, Jesus takes this even further. Let's read verse 20. He says, in that day, he's talking about, um, he says, I will live, you will also live. There's this glimpse of eternity here that we will be with him forever. And then in verse 20, in that day, you will know that I I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you what's Jesus teaching? He's teaching, hey, I'm going to send my spirit to dwell in you. And so I'm going to illustrate this this morning. This is rare. I don't usually have props, right? Um, This is you today. Um, It's a wonderful little person. Um, I don't know if it's got a name or not, but this is you, all right? So now, how does this work? What is Jesus illustrating? What is Jesus getting at here? That you You give your your heart to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I can't save myself. I need your grace to forgive me of my sin, to bring me into your kingdom. My life belongs to you. And in that moment, you move from darkness into life. You were spiritually dead and now alive. And what happens? The Spirit of God dwells and lives in you. And in verse 20 here, Jesus says, and I am in you. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. So you, this person, you've got Jesus inside of you. But then what does Jesus say? He says, and you are in me, right? This is just a simple. I'm borrowing this from somebody else too, by the way. Not the Tupperware, the idea. Um, Just to clarify, right? So you've got the spirit of God in you and you are in Christ, but he doesn't stop there. What does he say? He says, I am in the father, Right? If you put this in your fridge, everything's gonna stay nice and fresh, right? There's nothing getting through that. But I want us to have this picture in our minds that what Jesus is doing, he's saying, my spirit will dwell in you and there is safety. There is security in knowing that I am with you and I am in the Father and nothing can touch you. We are secure in Christ. And even more we see this. Look at verse 30, Jesus says, the ruler of this world is coming. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Satan. He says, The enemy is coming. But what does he say? He has no claim on me. Satan has no claim on Jesus and has no claim on us. And Jesus is illustrating that here by saying, listen, my spirit's gonna dwell in you, I will be in you, you'll be in me, I'm in the Father, you are secure, you are not alone, you are secure. In First John chapter four, the same author John, he says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So as I said, we must examine our hearts, and say, do I belong to Jesus? But when we see and know that Jesus, my heart belongs to you, we can have confidence that he holds us, he keeps us, he doesn't let us go. Even in our weaknesses and in our failures, we are secure in him. Jesus has sent his spirit to dwell in us and to empower us to live lives bringing glory to God. And so, to make this personal, to make this street level. Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves and maybe today you need to say, I am secure in Christ. For any of you that have said, Jesus, my heart belongs to you. My salvation is Christ alone. Today, remember and remind yourself that you can rest in this assurance, that you can take courage. And as you go through your week, maybe you need to sit and remind yourself every morning. Maybe you need to write it on your mirror or put it on your home screen or your phone or whatever it is to say, I'm in the Father. Say, I'm in Jesus and he is in me and he is in the Father and I am secure. That you are not abandoned. And you're gonna forget that. I'm gonna forget that. Maybe today, maybe this week. And when we forget it, we run back to God's word and we remember, I am secure in you that Jesus will not abandon those who belong to him. Our final point this morning is this. Jesus calms our fears. Jesus calms our fears. So put yourself in the place of the disciples here. We've already talked about it some, but these guys have given everything to follow Jesus for three years now. In the first century at this time, you know, there were Jewish rabbis and they would come and the, the word rabbi just meant teacher and there were people that would come and the, these Jewish rabbis, they would come to someone and say, Dylan, follow me. And they'd say, okay, I will learn from you and eventually I'll learn and I'll become a rabbi one day. And so when Jesus does this, this is the pattern of everything that's going on, going on around them. He comes to, these, to his disciples, he's like, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay, you are my rabbi, I'm following you. But the, the natural result of that is that you would follow the person, they would guide you, they'd lead you, and eventually you might become a rabbi, but you know, this, this, this rabbi eventually would be there until they died, I guess, but they were there. And so they're sitting there going, wait, this is not what we thought. Jesus, we've been with you for three years, but you're leaving now? You're not going to be our rabbi anymore? What are, what are we supposed to do? And they're sitting there going, okay, if this doesn't work out, we, we put all of our eggs in this basket, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And if this doesn't work out, we are sunk. You know, you know the story. If you know the story of the disciples, many of them had careers, and they left those careers. They have all these things, and they're following Jesus. But Jesus is telling them, he says, hey, I'm, not, I'm leaving. I won't be physically with you forever. They're afraid. Their future seems unsure. They are experiencing anxiety because of the relationship, because their relationship with Jesus is changing. Jesus is addressing their fears. We know what this feels like. That we, you and I, most of us in this room, many of us have given our lives to follow Jesus. But we can't see what's ahead. We like to think we can, we make plans, you know, all these, but we don't know, we can't see what's ahead. And all we have to go on is God's word and to live by faith Trusting in Jesus, trusting that he is who he says he is. And it's into that that Jesus speaks and reminds us not to fear. That he is with us to the end of the age. He has sent his spirit and he speaks peace over us. Jesus calms our fears. Let's read verse 27 and 28 where Jesus says to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Such an amazing passage. Just imagine sitting there and Jesus looking you eye to eye and saying, Hey, peace. I'm giving you peace. Take courage. Don't fear. This is God coming towards us with peace. Our natural instinct is to think that God would move away from us because we don't have it all figured out. We fail that God would be like, come on, you, you messed up again, you did this again, why would you do that? You're such a failure, whatever. This is our natural inclination of what we think God would be like. But no, he comes, t- he comes towards us, he gives peace to our troubled hearts. So if Jesus calms our fears, what? In, in, in the scripture, how is he doing that? What's Jesus' answer to our fears? Well, we've already talked about his spirit, his presence in us and with us. He says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm with you. My spirit is with you. And secondly, he says, peace. And what's he say? He, he clarifies it a little bit. He says, peace, not as the world gives, but peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that it's a peace that is lasting. It's not a temporary peace. Um, if you think about, the, the, again, their context, they were in the Roman world. If you know much history, how did the Romans secure peace? With the sword. Right? They went and took what they wanted, and they said, Hey, we're bringing peace. Like you know in Latin, the term Pax Romana, right? Okay. This is the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome was not because everybody loved them, they dominated people. And so when Jesus says, I give you peace, not as the world gives, right? It's not a, Jesus isn't saying, Hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to dominate and rule. I mean, he's ruling and reigning as the Savior, but he comes to us in gentleness. He doesn't come to us in dominating fashion. He says, I'm not bringing you peace as the world gives. I'm bringing you a peace that is eternal, that is lasting, that flows out of my heart of love for you. So Jesus as well, he brings his reassurance. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Take courage. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Jesus is communicating to his disciples that they can have peace peace because he is with them. He is in control. Many of you know my youngest daughter, Lottie. Um, Recently uh, at dinner time, she asked to pray and Lottie prayed and here was her prayer. She said, God, thank you for hearing us when we snore. And I thought about it and we laughed, you know, thank you for hearing us when we snore, right? First of all, you have to claim that you snore or don't snore, I'm sure that I don't, I don't know, right? But the more I thought about it, I was like, there is so much truth in what this little kid just said. There's peace that we find in this. How do we find peace? That even when we we sleep or snore, you know, whoever you are, if you're married, you can kind of like determine if, you know, yeah. You know, snoring is a weird thing. We don't know because we're asleep, right? Uh, So, but even when we sleep, even when we snore, that God is in control. And this is the peace that Jesus gives. This is the calming of our fears. I'm with you. I see. I know what's going on in your life. I am with you. And as I said earlier, this this whole thing we're talking about this morning, I have to shake myself loose sometimes of saying, okay, there's words on a page here. What are we talking about? What is Jesus saying? That's all good, right? But Sometimes I have to shake myself loose and say, oh, this is all good real <laughs> this is not theoretical this is not religious theological ideas it's jesus through the holy spirit meets us in our needs he knows the needs and the fears that you have right now this moment probably better than you do he knows the, the real source of all of those things and he meets us when our hearts are troubled he gives us peace And I know that many of you have experienced this yourself this week. I've experienced this this week. Many of you know my grandmother passed away a few days ago. And thinking about this in this real sense of Jesus saying, my peace I give to you. We've had others in our, in our church who have lost family members within the last week. It's into our real lives and into our real fears and struggles that Jesus speaks Peace. It's real peace in our real lives. When you're getting up in the morning and stubbing your toe on the bed and making your coffee and trying to get through the day and there's stress and anxiety and where's this money gonna come from and how's this gonna happen? Jesus, where are you? God, where are you? Jesus says, peace. My peace I give to you. I am with you. And he calms our fears. So again, make this personal. What fears and anxieties do you need to let, do you need to hand to Jesus? What fears and anxieties do you need to let him calm this morning? Maybe you need to stop and just listen as we worship together here in a few moments or as you go home today to take a walk or take some time to be still. You need to listen to hear that still, small voice of the Savior saying, Peace into your stress and fear and anxiety. And this week, when those fears rise again, run back and listen again to the voice of Jesus saying, my peace I leave with you. Because it's not theoretical. He sees and he knows all of it. Jesus will not abandon those who belong to him As we close this morning, here's what I want us to hear. You're not alone. We are not alone. You and I cannot and don't have to do all that God has called us to do in our own power because Jesus has sent his spirit, the helper to dwell in us as his people. The disciples needed to hear this. And all the things that Jesus was sending them out to do, they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you're not with us? Yes, I am with you, and he says that today to us. And all the things that Jesus has called his people to do, to love and serve and lift up Jesus and be light in darkness, if we try to do it on our own, we will say, Jesus, where are you? You've abandoned me, and yet he says, I am sending, I have sent my spirit to fill you and empower you. Because all that Jesus calls us to do is not done in our own power. It is done with His Spirit in us, empowering us. The gospel means that we are not living to earn something from God, but we are living out of His power and strength in us. And this reinforces this truth and reminds us that God and His holiness. God created everything. God created us, you and I, to be in relationship with him, and yet we, as humans, sinned, and we ran from God, and it put us in a spot of saying, oh, goodness, we need to get back to God. We need to be good. We need to work hard. We need to, have, we need to find life again, because we ran from life in our sin and rebellion, and there is no way to get back to God except through Jesus And God doesn't sit in heaven and say, if you are good enough, I'll let you back. He says, I'm holy and you're not. End of story. But I have sent my son. That Jesus, the son of God, came and lived a sinless life. He fulfilled God's requirements. He obeyed God. As we saw in the scripture, Jesus says, I do what my father has commanded me to do. Why? He loved the father and he always obeyed the father. And Jesus, the holy one, was able to take our place. We deserve death on the cross and yet Jesus died in our place. And he reaches out to us, he rose from the dead and he reaches to us today saying, those who put their faith in me. Don't put your faith in yourself. Don't put your faith in what you can do. Don't put your faith in what someone else can do. Don't put your faith in anything in this world. But Jesus says, those who put their faith in me will be rescued out of their sin and brokenness and bought, brought into relationship with God. And it is nothing that we earn. And in the same way that as we go out from here as a church to live on mission, to obey all that Jesus has commanded us, we cannot do it in our own power. But we do it as a result of the work of Jesus in us. This morning, maybe you're realizing, maybe you're saying, I don't belong to Jesus. I have never surrendered my life and put my faith in Jesus. I've never made him Lord over my life. Today, you can belong to Jesus. And maybe you've been in church for a really long time or maybe it's all new to you or maybe you think, no, I I think I'm good with all this stuff. Yeah, I think I belong. But deep in your heart, there's something that's not right. You can belong to Jesus today. In church, we are sent out with the Spirit of God inside of us, the peace of God, the peace that God gives us. We go out and we extend to others. We're going to worship, we're going to sing here in a moment. But this morning, church, as we go out of here in a little while, we can go out with the assurance that we are held, we are secure, that we have peace, that we have the Spirit of God living in us. We can go out of here with courage today. How do you need to respond? Maybe today you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to be honest and examine your heart and say, does my heart belong to God? Maybe you need to ask God for strength to be faithful, to keep going. Maybe you need to say, God, would your spirit fill me again today? God, give me a deeper hunger for you. Maybe you just simply need to say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? That's an honest prayer. It's an honest prayer to say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you are. I don't know where I am, but would you, would you help me? And When that comes from a place of humility in our hearts, God hears our prayers. And this morning, rest in the truth that God sees you and knows you. You are not abandoned. We're going to continue in worship, and this song that we're going to sing really reinforces some of these thoughts and ideas. But I would say this as we, as we close. If we can pray with you, we would love to pray with you. If there's doubts and fears and struggles, we want to come alongside you and pray with you. After the service, come and grab me. Come and grab one of our pastors. Come and grab someone and say, hey, would you pray with me? Because we want to come alongside each other to do that. I'm gonna close this in prayer at the moment and we're gonna to continue to sing together. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.